Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Leo Sabo, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Pastor David Thompson from Gateway Church. Hey Leo, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you. So on today's episode, we're discussing how to be a better presented. We have the incredible privilege to talk about and teach on one of the most important topics in the world, money and possessions, and how they impact our relationship with God and with each other. And I think it's crucial that we do the best job we possibly can communicating this message. That's right, Leo. Uh, It's funny because you can have the greatest content in the world Mm -hmm. that you know uh, has deep impact, is rich, is meaningful. You could be sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. The thing that will ultimately change somebody's eternity, yes. it can be the most important content in the world, but if you don't present it well, mm. and today we're talking about presenting stewardship content, yes. which is is life-changing. Yes. It, it, will, it will break lies that people have believed, it'll break chains of debt, it'll break generational iniquities, like this is going to shift people's life. And the presentation is what's going to allow that person to fully engage with what you're saying. So let's talk about how to improve your presentation. Yeah. Uh, now, you can probably already hear my voice. I'm getting excited about this. <laughs> uh, I'm actually smiling. And so when you're sharing this stuff, engage, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bring enthusiasm. Yeah, uh, passion. It, bring passion. You're going to have to step up about 10, 20, 30 percent of your normal one-on-one engagement, mm-hmm. if you're going to engage with 20 people at a time, 50 people at a time, 100 people at a time, don't be weird about it, Yeah. but you're going to have to elevate your voice. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to stand up straighter and you're going to have to just be excited to share. Yeah. I've got something that is going to impact you and we're going to talk about budgeting and it's going to be great. We're going to talk about breaking the spirit of mammon and you're, it's going to change your life. Mm. You've got to engage another layer of who you are inside. Well, that up, get your spirit involved. And that's why as a pastor, it's so important mm. to pray for the burden from the Lord yeah, and to share for what the Lord is putting on your heart, to, to pray and say, Lord, what are you putting on my heart yeah. so that I can share from that place of a burden? Uh, not that it's a heavy load, but the Lord will put a burden on your heart to share with his people. And so walk out with engagement, excitement, get ready to share something that will change their lives. Yeah, I, I love that because... I believe that the audience will never have more passion than you do. If you have low passion, you can't rally them up to have passion. (laughs) So you have to lead there. You're in front of these people, get them fired up. And sometimes the message just doesn't have to be loud or bold or strong that way. Maybe it's very quiet. Maybe it's very subdued because that's what the message needs. Right. But again, it's the passion you have behind it. And I love that you mentioned that you need to be prayed up. This is not a regular presentation that you practice and deliver. This is the Spirit of God being able to empower you to deliver something that's going to be life-changing. That's so right. So don't miss that. That's right. It's not just a regular teaching, but you definitely have to be up for the job. 
the drive. trade up, but also prepare. And some evidence of this is when you are leaning in towards the congregation, your your eyes are are making eye contact with people. You are imparting something that the Lord has put on your heart. Yeah, I love that. So, so number two is know your audience. Uh, I learned this early on that you have to have two things that you're accomplishing when you're speaking to a group of people. Number one, you either answer every question that's in their hearts, right? What are their questions? Can you answer those questions? Or number two, you come with such content that you introduce something that's life-changing and transformational. So you either answer the question or you introduce something that's going to really help them say, wow, I'm glad I was here. This really was beneficial for me. So you have to know what is it that they need? What are you trying to impart to them so that their time investing in this is worthy of their time and of, of their benefit. I mean, you want to make sure that you know what you're delivering and that you're doing a good job doing it. That's right. And as a pastor, you should have special insight here. You should be engaged in relationship with mm-hmm. your congregation, with the people that are part of your church. Uh, this should be something where you're asking people in advance, what, where are you hurting? What do you need help in? And begin creating content around those things. The best place to do is to go back to the Lord and say, God, what do our people need right now? Mm. And hear from the Lord and get that impartation from Him and take it out to the people. The thing that has been extremely important for me is to actually physically go connect with people before the class and after the class. That's good. And really shake hands, ask people their name. I'll get to know everybody on the front row uh, and, and as many rows back as I can before yeah, the class that's begins. Great. I love that. If I know their name and I'll ask them, hey, what brought you to the class tonight? We're mm-hmm. talking about budgeting. We're talking about debt reduction. We're talking about investing. We're talking about dealing with the spirit of mammon, whatever it is. And I'll say, okay, what interested you in that? Like, why is your family here? You know, what, what got you out of the house on a Wednesday night or a mm-hmm. Sunday morning to come learn this? And that'll, that'll inform even how I share in that presentation. Yeah. All right. The next thing is tell a story. You have to have a goal when you're presenting, right? You have to be able to say, I'm coming to this thing and I'm going to teach them about one specific thing. Maybe you're talking about, let's say, money from a biblical perspective and you want to impart to them that God owns everything and that we're stewards. So just focus on that one thing. Don't try to teach five, six, seven, eight things in one sitting, especially if it's only 30 minutes to an hour. Just make your focus very, very direct so that when you're teaching, they walk away with something they can actually use. When our presentation is just just filled with all kinds of information, they're going to walk away with very little. But if our presentation is very focused then we can help them walk away with something that it's actually going to be implemented down the road. That's right. And and you're going to want that main thing to stick. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to repeat it uh, several times throughout. You may have three supporting bullet points in Good. your presentation, yeah. but they're supporting the main thing. Yeah. And that should be the title of your presentation, or it should be hidden inside of the title. It's the main theme. It's the main theme of right. what you're presenting. So um, you know, if you're talking about budgeting, don't try to figure out how to talk about budgeting and talk about debt that night and talk about investing that night and talk about, you know, what it would look like to, to downsize your lifestyle and and like, and like try to hit them with eight different things. Don't do budgeting. Here's 10 tips. Do budgeting and zoom into why have a budget and go through the biblical reason. And maybe the biblical reason of why is your main thing, Mm -hmm. or maybe it is the practical today. We're going to learn how to use this tool in our class. And that is the main thing. But if you have eight main things, then you have nothing. (laughs) People are just going to walk away and be like, that was really great. I have no idea what I learned. 
Yeah, because it's just a lot of information. I think that's the, the thing that I learned early on when I started teaching publicly was that I was so passionate. I wanted to share so much of what I knew. And I thought, I've got him in front of me. I'm going to just just unload, unload. man. <laughs> and poor people. I mean, they had to put up with this guy that was just completely crazy, out of his mind, wants to share everything he's learned in 15 years in like 30 minutes to an hour. Right. And unfortunately, I did a disservice because they were not able to walk away with some very clear things that to implement. They walked away with a lot of information. But as we know from different types of learners, not everybody can walk away with a ton of notes and implement it. Most people won't. Right. They won't retain but about 10% of what you're actually talking about. So it's so important that you're focused. It's so important that you're literally, like David said, have a main theme and some supporting bullet points or, or things that you want to touch on to increase the ability for them to grab a hold of that main theme. Our, our senior pastor at Gateway Church, his name's Robert Morris. And uh, Pastor Robert, he, he always has a main theme mm-hmm. and he's got three supporting points. Right. And they all point you back. And so at the end of the day, when somebody's like, what did you learn in church? It's easy. You're like, oh, wow. It's easy to remember. It's easy to remember. So um, I say that just to say, don't let that get away from you. Mm -hmm. Don't don't fall to just just droning on. Mm -hmm. Really make it concise so that people, when they leave, they're like, I want to come back next week. Yeah. I feel like there's more Leave that I want to learn. That's right. right. Leave them Leave hungry. Them hungry. I love That's that. right. That's now, cool. this next thing is so important for me personally, and mm. that is that you make it visual. Mm. Uh, now, uh, the the traditional sermons that we do on the weekend at most churches are typically not going to have a ton of visual illustrations. Some right. do, uh, but you, as a stewardship pastor, stewardship leader, a lot of times that is happening in a classroom. Mm-hmm. It's happening through one-on-one discipleship. And a so, webinar or a webinar these days. Oh, right. Right now we're doing everything online. I mean, we, we literally have put everything online for this season. And, and so if it's not visual, if it's only auditory, you are going to lose so many people. And when I say visual, it can't be visuals of words. You don't want to just put the <laughs> words on the screen. Yeah. You should know the words. The words should be coming from you and the visual should be supporting what you're saying. Exactly. So if I'm talking about um, the land of Israel, I'm going to have the best looking picture of Jerusalem that I can find, and I'm going to hone in and point out different parts of, hey, this is the Temple Mount. This is the Southern Steps. Like I'm going to highlight, and when I'm talking about it, I'm also putting a visual with it. When I go in and I do budgeting, I'm going to put the budget tool on the screen and I'm going to walk point for point through that with people. It's good. Um, and, and it's got to be visually done well. Mm-hmm. It can't be grainy images. Stretched. It can't be stretched. <laughs> don't stretch the image. If, if you have to cut it, then cut it to the right size, but don't stretch it. Don't, don't make somebody whose face should be thin all of a sudden super wide yeah. because you had to make it fit the full screen. No. The, the high quality visual images will communicate a high quality presentation. Uh, don't use random clip art. Don't use mm. cartoons that, that are just um, really goofy or outdated. Don't yeah. pull stuff from the 80s. You are looking to engage your audience today. And the way you'll do that is with high quality visual. You have one shot at it. That's the way I look at it. You may never have a person that you have in the audience come back unless you do the very best job you can. And again, going back to the fact that we are communicating one of the most important messages in our generation and in this world, when it comes to money, possessions, where our heart is connected to that, especially as it relates to our Christianity, our discipleship, 
why would we do it any less than our best? That's why right. would we use clip art when we can spend a few dollars on a picture that's going to make an emotional trigger come alive in a person and say, yes, I need to change this. Yes, I need to take action. I think we need to think about it from that perspective. If we only have one shot, it doesn't matter if we're teaching to an 80-year-old or a 20-year-old. Think of it as you're teaching to the most influential, the most um, successful people in the world. That's right. Like if you were to present something to the president of the United States or That's a right. you know a top 10 company in the world, right. would you do clip art? No. <laughs> You'd be like, they're going to laugh at me and curl me out. Right. So you definitely want to make sure that you're thinking about this. How can I do the very best job I possibly can? Yeah. You do that, you're going to have people really take notice and walk away with something very beneficial. That's right. When I talk about stewardship, I put a castle and a beautiful castle on the hill, and I talk about the feudal lord mm. and the steward of the castle. Yeah. Uh, when I talk about putting God first, I literally put first fruits mm. up on the screen, and mm. I don't put some cornucopia clip art up. No, I put beautiful... You know, apples falling off the tree, whatever it is, you want to catch their imagination. The first mm. fruit, that's what I give to the Lord. A, a tithe, the, the firstborn. I'm going to, and I put a sheep up and like a, a really pristine, good looking sheep in a field. Like, how do you make it engage visually so it sticks in their mind? Yeah. I also think when you're thinking about visuals, think about things that will invoke emotion. So don't just think, all right, I want to talk about, let's say, like you said, David, first fruit. Don't just think about, what can I substitute for the word I'm going to use? Right. Don't don't think about that way. Think about what are you trying to invoke? What are you trying to communicate? Go a little bit deeper as to what you're trying to pull or communicate at a deeper level. So that way the picture, the visual that you're using is actually taking them beyond the words you're using to a much deeper meaning. And I think that's really important to consider because if we're just taking the random bullet point wordage and putting a picture to define it, Yes, it does have a better impact, but think about it a little deeper. Pray about it. Like, God, what is it that I can communicate here that would be your heart about giving, about yes. stewardship, about whatever it is, to the degree that God's going to give you the ability to think about it from a much deeper perspective, and now you can come up with the right visuals to invoke those kind of emotions and actions. That's right. Leo, I remember the first presentation um, that you and I did together, and and actually going beyond that, the the Financial Hope workshop that we did together, mm. and the first time that you had put it all together, you had gone and purchased stock images, but mm -hmm. high-quality images, yeah. um, and there was at least 30 high-quality images per presentation right. that you were pointing people to, so that as they were in that class, they had a visual tie-in for everything that they were learning. And I, I personally really love that and engage with it. And a few years later, when you entrusted me with that course, mm -hmm. I went back through and I updated all those images because in just two, three, four, five yeah. years, yeah. photography changes. Sure, You can tell a church or a presenter that's using modern photography versus five years ago versus 20 years ago yes, versus the 80s. <laughs> so right. And so you may have to go back and edit things in a couple of years. That's okay. Uh, one free place to get great images is called Pixabay, P-I-X, Pixabay. Mm -hmm. um, there are other free Creative Commons images out there that you yes. can access. Um, if you go to Google and pull images, those images are typically owned by somebody. And so if you just use Google Images, if you ever try to give away your content or sell your content, and the goal is not to sell this thing, but let's say you give it away. 
you're giving away what belongs to somebody else. And if we talk about stewardship and being good managers, let's respect and honor what belongs to others. But Pixabay will allow you to use those images for free. There's a lot of great high quality images there. Um, it's a little bit less uh, stock than Google. Mm -hmm. But if you want to use an image from Google, then go pay for it. You know, go to iStock.com or photo, I don't know what they're all called, but stockphotos.com. Yeah, yeah stockvault.net, yes. photocase.com. There's a lot of them and it's not about promoting one or the other, but find the ones that, that you like and just know that not all of them are free. Some of them are free right. because some of these photographers will actually put them on there and they allow you to use them with limited uh, what's the word I'm looking for, David? Uh, oh, limited usage rights or limited, yeah. like you can you can use it for a classroom, but you can't use it to sell. Non-commercial exactly. usage. Exactly. Right. But they put it on there because it showcased their work and maybe later on you'll buy other things from them. So definitely use those if they're adequate for what you're looking for, but it's okay to pay for them and they're not that oh, expensive. Yeah. And when you think about building a presentation and spending a little bit of money to do it well, I just think it's a no-brainer. It's something you definitely don't want to be cheap about that's right and when you buy them save the images in a specific folder mm -hmm. and save the receipt yes that way if anybody ever asks you can yeah. say no i purchased them from this website at this time for this amount of dollars and it will help you be on the right side yeah, if anything goes especially wrong especially if you're working at a church and you're doing that you definitely yeah. want the you don't want the church to be sued because they're used because you know potentially they might say well you're using this illegally if you have the means to say no no i bought these here's the receipts you're covering yourself that way. That's a minor thing, but definitely want to want to consider that. Absolutely. Okay. The next thing I cannot emphasize enough, mm -hmm. and it is to practice, practice, yeah. practice, keep practicing. You are the pastor. You are the leader. You are sharing information mm. that uh, hopefully you've taken time to hear from the Lord, have something put on your heart and share it with enthusiasm. You could have a lot of enthusiasm, but but be using ums and, and uh, and, and how do I, and so the reason that we're here today is so that I want to, and so we can get together, and, and so I'm glad you guys are here. <laughs> no, no, no. No. You've got to come in polished. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Everyone is going to make mistakes. Sure. Everybody will use and a few filler We're all words. growing in that. We're all growing. You have to take it serious. But you're the leader. Mm -hmm. And so take time. If you will write your teaching notes out, and then you will walk around the block and practice it three to five times out loud, mm. it will dramatically change how effective of a yes. presenter you are. Agreed. Uh, every time that I would teach when I first started and still today, uh, but I especially, I have it vividly stuck in my mind. Uh, we lived in an apartment at the time, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I had just gotten married, and I would leave the apartment, and I would walk around one of the commercial complexes. It was right down the street from our apartment, and I would walk around it and I could usually get through a full 30 minute presentation mm -hmm. by walking around that complex twice. Mm. So I would walk the complex six times and do the presentation three times out loud. That's awesome. And then I would do it again the next night. And, and I would come into class and I would teach and I was young. I still am young, but I was young and people would be like, wow, like mm -hmm. you, like you just sound like you're so knowledgeable. That was so polished. And it was because I literally spent hours yeah. practicing because yeah. it was an honor to be given a platform from the church to mm -hmm. share God's word. Yeah. It's you great. have got to respect that platform. I so, so agree with this. I think if you don't practice, in fact, I remember this statistic that I read years ago that said that for every one hour of teaching presentation, you have to have 30 hours of practice. And I'm not talking about putting the content together. I'm talking about actually practicing 
the content before you deliver it. Now, I want you to imagine that you're invited to speak and do a TED Talk. Yep. Would you be ready for it? Would you just put it together the night before? No, of course not. You know you'd be in front of a national audience. They have a standard that they need to meet. And you it's have to be recorded. Be, yes, and it's <laughs> going to be for everybody to see for the rest of the you know all eternity. And you know that you've got basically fifteen to seventeen minutes to deliver this thing. And if you don't do a good job, if you go over, if you have too many auto words and you distract from the actual message, you're never going to be asked to do it again. And they probably might even not show it. So my point is, take it serious. This is the greatest message that the world has ever heard. It has to be to the standard that it requires, which is practice, get ready. You cannot get around this, no matter how good the content is. If the presenter gets in the way of the content, that's probably the worst thing that can happen, is that you get in the way of people actually receiving the truth. So take it serious. Take the time that you need to take to practice, practice, practice. Uh, we have muscle memory that we build up when we do things physically. Mm-hmm. When I turn my, when I, when I open my phone and I type in my little passcode, uh, and then my fingers automatically scroll to a few apps, right? Whether I want to go to those apps or not, my <laughs> fingers immediately go there. True. If you practice out loud, it will build muscle memory to your words mm. and it will be so much easier to present without staring down at your notes uh, without being stuck looking at the presentation slides the whole time. So just be aware. One other thing that I want to mention is when you know your content so well that you know the not only the flow, but the next words that you're going to say, how you're going to say it. Now you can really focus on your presentation skills. Now you know when to emphasize something, how to emphasize, how to just hit that click button to get that slide come up at the right time because you're not worried about What's next? What's next? What's next? You already know it. It's part of you. You're just flowing. And now you could be so much better at presenting it because there's not a moment where you're lost of what's next. You're not looking at the PowerPoint to see, okay, am I on the right slide? Now what do I have to say? No, you know it. Here's the thing. When I'm in the audience watching somebody present at that level, I'm, I'm like full in. I just, yeah, nothing, everything true. else dies off. Everything is, distraction is gone. Because I am so in tune to this person presenting because they're on point, they're focused, and they've got me focused. And and I think that's what we want. We want to be able to deliver at such a uh, focus and with so much clarity that people are just mesmerized by the message. Not by us, but by the message that's that's being spoken. That's right. And one way to do that is to finish on Mm. and to honor people. Yes. So what you're saying, Leo, I I can 100% relate to because there are pastors that when I watch them present and I'm thinking of my senior pastor, I'm fully engaged with every word. Yeah. Uh, I'm the only reason I'm looking at my phone is if I'm writing something down that I'm like, wow, I need to remember that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting distracted, but it's because his presentation, his teaching, his sermon is 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, It may be like 27 minutes. Right. And then he's going to finish with an altar call at the end. And I know that I only get 27 minutes to hear him speak today. Yeah. I'm going to absorb every minute of it. I remember growing up and being in some services where literally it was a three-hour service. We have been there. Right? <laughs> and and, and two and a half hours of that was the sermon. And the, and the pastor, great pastors, good leaders, incredible hearts. But for two and a half hours, you cannot stay focused. Yeah. And it would get all over the place. And, and then you get distracted and, and you would start to look at something else. And then you would be completely lost on anything that they said after that for the next 10, 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. So if you will stick to your time, 
you will limit it to something very absorbable. I think 30 minutes of teaching is is really the most that most people can handle. In one sitting. In absolutely. one sitting. Absolutely. So what we've done with our discipleship classes at the church is every class, they're an hour long because we want discipleship and community. Mm. And so we'll teach for 10 minutes, but then we set up every classroom with round tables mm. And then we have people talk about what they just learned yeah. for 10 minutes. And then we'll teach for 10 minutes and then we'll talk about it for 10 minutes. And they'll teach for 10 minutes and talk about it for 10 minutes. So it's an hour long class. All of our you know, discipleship, all of our stewardship classes, all of our other classes are set up in this format. So there's only 30 minutes total of teaching, mm. but it even has built in breaks where people talk about it and absorb it. Right. Um, so... I think that you really have to be an excellent presenter to hold somebody's attention for 30 minutes. When our senior pastor does sermons, he does it excellently. Um, But I've seen people in in our discipleship classes that have not done that well. And I'm so grateful we have those 10-minute discussion times built in because then you actually learn more at the table than you did from a poor presenter. Practice, practice, practice. Yeah, I think you just have to be a student of what it takes to be a good presenter, and that way it'll keep you learning. So the last thing we want to talk about is how do you get better? How do you know if your presentation actually went well? Well, there's only one way that you will know, and you have to ask people who have actually listened to you teach. Now, my recommendation is that you actually teach your class, your whatever it is you're going to present to someone else. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a sibling, but teach it to them and get some feedback before you actually do it, because I think that would be very, very helpful. I know our senior pastor, Robert Norris, did that for I think he still does. I know he'll preach it to his wife. His wife, yep. And then his wife will give him feedback because she's a totally different type of learner than he is. And that feedback really helps him to make sure that he's not missing a whole group of people. So it's important to do it that way. But then after you do it, after you actually teach it to a group of people, our recommendation is send out a survey after each class. Get some feedback and then learn and improve from that feedback. Because the goal is to improve, not just to feel good that you were able to teach. I know I have a desire and a love for teaching. Like, I love being in front of people and teaching, offering something that's benefited me, because I'm in my mind, I think it's going to help them. But I don't ever want to do it just because it makes me feel good. That's right. Because if they don't actually benefit, then it's all for me. And that would be a waste of time for everybody. So I really want to challenge all of us. If we're going to be better presenters, we need to get feedback, and we need to implement that feedback. And some of it's going to sting, because right. it's going to show some of your warts, but that's okay. Because it's better to know where you need to improve and then go to work, improve it, come back better, come back more polished, come back more effective that's right. in your presentation. And if you're the pastor and the leader, then most of the time, the people that you're presenting to are not going to want to to say something negative about your presentation. Right. right. Uh, they want to honor you. They want to respect you. We've talked about you know biblical authority and honoring authority. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're going to be hesitant to lay it out and tell you how it is. You've got to word these surveys in such a way that solicits something positive. Say, hey, share one positive thing about this message. Share one positive thing about the presentation. And then say, now please share one negative thing or one thing that could be improved. Is actually probably the best way to say it. Share one thing that could be improved. And then give examples. Eye contact, pitch, length. Um, clarity of presentation, you know, and you can put that in parentheses by the side of the question, 
but give them a few examples. Let them know it's okay. It's socially acceptable mm-hmm. for them to share real feedback. Uh, and I do this not only with myself when I'm teaching, um, but I'll do it with the content. And, and Leo, you taught me this. How is the content laid out? Was it too biblical or was it too practical? Was it too, um, too much words, not enough stories, too many stories, not enough real information, yeah. right? And balance out the content. And we have table leaders at our tables. Uh, and we do this in every discipleship class where we try to engage leaders that can help guide that conversation during those roundtable discussions. And I'll even put in there, depending on the formality of the class, I don't do this with every class, but in our, in our stewardship workshop that we have, mm-hmm. I have surveys for every single table leader, and I ask the participants, what did that table leader do well to Mm -hmm. serve you? And then share one thing that table leader could improve on. And then I put, please share something they can improve on because every one of our leaders want to get better. And I really emphasize that the feedback is not to make me feel good. The feedback is to help get me better at presenting and help get the the, the table leader better. Yeah, I love it. And I think when you are that purposeful about letting your audience know that you're trying to get better, that you're trying to do the very best you can, it endears people to you because it, it lets them know, hey, I'm not doing this for my ego. If I did, I would never ask you for input. I'm actually asking these questions because I want to get better, because I want people to be served well. And you could help us to be better. I love the fact that we did that years in a row when we first started doing the Financial Hope Workshop at Gateway because it helped me to be a better leader. It helped our team to be better leaders and it helped the content be better and more effective. And that's three wins, man. I, I, I could not say enough about that. So please don't just teach, teach and get some feedback because you can always get better. We all can. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate it. Write us a review, and of course, subscribe to the podcast so you can continue to receive these valuable resources. You can also share this episode and others by going to christianstewardshipnetwork.com, and you can share them on your social media platform. You could also, of course, gain other access to other episodes that are on there. And we just want to thank you for being a stewardship leader. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you are taking upon yourself this calling of teaching others how to manage money from a biblical perspective. We're grateful for you, and we want to resource you. If there's a way that we can help you with that, please reach out to us. You can find us at christianstewardshipnetwork.com, and we'd love to help you and your church to implement a successful stewardship ministry that will reach your people. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. Remember, God has called you to be a faithful steward. So be that steward, but go one step further. Teach others to do the same.